Hello, this is Timmy Black, and welcome again to another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. Let's talk today about bitterness and what a corrosive emotion it really is. Don't you think that bitterness and its irritating twin resentment have this awful way of engraving themselves upon the embittered and causing in the embittered that decidedly gloomy cast of mind and generally cheerless disposition? I do. Around New Year's, whether you want to or not, you end up seeing or reading all these lists, these countless inventories of highlights and low points of the passing year. Sometimes I get the sense that the gap between best and worst is nothing but an arbitrary tilt of the scale that reflects nothing more complex than a whim. There are those who lean toward flattery and who only try to add their stamp to the prevailing consensus. But the interesting ones, the ones who reflect a deeper psychological truth, are the ones who have axes to grind. Those are the ones who are quick to use the pretext of the new year to settle old scores, aggravate adversaries, strike fatal calumnious blows, and give vent to sheer unadulterated spite. The fact that art critics can earn a fair living peddling this kind of soft porn of genteel slander speaks volumes for our unending appetite for schadenfreude. One of the most anticipated lists of artistic triumphs and disappointments comes out of New York City and is compiled by the feral cultural critic Spark Boone. Every December, past several years, Boone has published his very own, very special brand of poetic vilification. Ideas and personalities aren't necessarily analyzed, but rather serve as eloquent pretexts for abuse and defamation. His readers look forward to his malignant diatribes, and if his screeds elicit any compassion for their victims, there doesn't seem to be any evidence of that in the comments pages or in the letters to the editor. Now, for those of you who haven't had the pleasure of enjoying Boone's special brand of character assassination, 
let me share with you an essay he published in the recent year-end edition of the French periodical Cahier de Colère. His subject was none other than myself, Timmy Black. And if this is not an example of a classic hatchet job, then I don't know what is. Here I will quote directly. And by the way, I uh, did the translation myself. Some artists operate under the convenient illusion that if they can trot out their impressive credentials, the art-loving public will overlook the rinky-dink, unplanned, expedient, arbitrary, and ad hoc nature of their work. The fact that their paintings, their sculptures, their installations, their videos, their manifestos, their residual artifacts, and their digital simulacra are included in the collections of countless august institutions is only a sad reflection on the credulity of the curatorial class. These artists have convinced themselves that if they can compile a splendid tally of fellowships and grants, residencies and honoraria, official posts and published essays, they can obscure their shamelessly derivative methods of art making. These tinkerers with their long lists of dubious accomplishments are like pickpockets bathing in the reflected luster of hijackers and bank robbers who with well-deserved fanfare will surely enter into the canon of criminal history. For a glaring example of this sort of borrowed brilliance, let's take podcaster and painter Timmy Black and his portentously titled 2017 Oil on Canvas, The Plague Full Swift, recently exhibited at this year's unremarkable Tbilisi Biennial in Georgia. This harmless little bauble gaudily pigmented with lapidary azure blues, tropical greens, and sanguinary reds expertly rusted to a dissonant crisp is nothing but an overworked refry of the 1964 grisaille masterpiece La Plaga Completa of Mika Carpentier. That black shows no remorse for his piracy, no anguish in his flagrantly unattributed looting of the great Cuban master's imagery and legacy is but one more signal of the utter demise of artistic decency and virtue. Hiding behind the topsy-turvy tropes of postmodernism where appropriation and pastiche become the benign aliases of lazy, imitative slop, Timmy Black consistently gets away with conceptual larceny. His 
obvious shortfall of originality is unfailingly overlooked. This galling poverty of imagination seems to be forgiven due in large measure to Black's professional success as a broadcaster. As we all know, the age of the soundbite has been replaced by the age of the sound nibble, and one short, fatuous podcast can make or break an entire career. It is for this reason that Timmy Black's mediocrity can successfully masquerade as genius. Oh boy. Well, it appears that Spark Boone has thrown down the gauntlet, and I would like to officially announce to my listeners that I respectfully accept the challenge. Mr. Boone, I'd like to extend to you an open invitation to appear on my show for a free and fair debate. It'll be like Gore Vidal versus William F. Buckley, Norman Mailer versus Jermaine Greer, Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman, Avocado Toast versus Grilled Cheese. We'll see if your strident tongue is as searing as your poison pen. You know how to reach me. Well, that's it for this week. Please join us again as we attempt to settle a few more scores on the lives of contemporary artists.